For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? Doing very, very well, Jeff. I'm just glad that summer's here and it's getting hot and dry. <laughs> hot? I don't know about the dry part. What do you think the humidity is? these days. You know, I don't know. It's a little better here of late than it was early on in June, but, yeah, uh, but I'm liking ago, it. It yeah. was pretty rough. I mean, I can take the heat, but the humidity is something else for me. Jake, how are you doing? How are you handling the summer so far? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm just, again, Randy likes the hot a little more than I do. I'm, I'm more of a winter guy, so <laughs> I, right. I like it when it's when it's about 30 or 40 degrees out. Well, anyway, glad to have you here with us today and glad to be back with the fine people of Springfield, Missouri. It is summertime. We get a lot of things to talk about, gentlemen, since the last time we talked. I mean, I keep looking for this recession to maybe ease up a little bit, maybe the market to turn around. But gentlemen, it just doesn't seem to be budging much, is it? Well, in fact, Jeff, to that point, the Fed a couple of weeks ago decided to raise interest rates by three quarters of a percent, which is the largest raise since 1994, something that they had said basically was off the table and that they definitely were not going to do. But Monday before the Wednesday rate decision, they got a piece of data that basically inflation had not peaked. You see all the talking heads had said, well, we've seen the worst of inflation. And then I guess now this is two or three months. Mondays ago now, the CPI report came out and showed that inflation has not peaked. In fact, headline inflation is now at another another new level, uh, higher than expectations. And so because of that, they had to do what they said they were not going to do, which is raise faster. And so now it kind of begs the question, you know, is any of this even working, what right. they're doing? Um, we're already seeing bond markets start to deteriorate uh, around the globe. That The United States bond market is okay. The mortgage-backed security market is having some issues uh, a couple of weeks ago, they opened the MBS, which is mortgage-backed securities. So there may be a few people that remember in 2008 that that was the base instrument that caused all the problems uh, in 2008. But there's still a very robust mortgage security market out there. And they opened it a couple of weeks ago and then it went no bid, meaning there was no bids on any mortgage-backed securities. The reason that's happening is because the Fed is unloading $17 billion of them a month, selling them on the open market. And so they were buying more than that. And so that this huge reversal has really kind of seized things up there. So really, I don't think this thing's even close to over, mm. Jeff. And, you know, I'm not saying that I know exactly where the market's headed or anything like that, but there's definitely more risk to the down than risk to the up. Jake and Randy, if you own your own home, as many retirees do, and they pretty much are not looking to buy a new car, I mean, really, they're not going to be buying much on credit. We know that interest rates are, are rising very, very rapidly. What does all of this mean to them? Do they really have to worry as much about this as someone who is in the market for a new home or a refinance or maybe having to replace a car, something like that? Well, I, I think as far as their home goes and their security there, I don't think they have much of an issue. I think that the big thing here is that those folks that are on a fixed income, 
income are really feeling the squeeze of all this inflationary pressure that we have here. And so, you know, talking about the recession, and we're going to talk about that more as we go along here, you know, there's people that say, well, we're not in a recession. And I would tend to agree that we haven't hit recessionary pressures yet. And then there are those that are saying, oh, there's only a 30% chance we're going to have a recession. And then there are those that say, it's 100% we're going to have a recession. And I'm in the 100% category that mm-hmm. we are going to have a recession. We have to right the ship. We have to slow this down. It's kind of like saying, you know, here I am. I'm going down a really steep hill with no brakes, right? No brakes right. at all. And all of a sudden, by some miracle, I'm going to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just not going to happen. Or if I run up to just a little bitty hill, you know, maybe a little bit of rise in interest rate, but it's just a short lived hill, kind of like riding a bike. You know, you can just kind of spin over the top of that. Oh, and then there's another hill on the other side, right. and yeah. we're gaining more speed. We're going to have to get this thing to where they can stop it. They're going to have to kill demand. And so I just, and people are going to say, man, he's lost his mind. What's wrong with him? Here's the thing, you guys. We have got to get things back to normal. We're running out of control and we just have to get things back there. And so some of the things that are going to we're going to be looking at and that we should talk about here, there's basically three or four things that's going to really help us to curtail the rising prices and slow things down and also help bottom the market are three things, earnings, public sentiment, and basically the core costs that people are that are having from the producer side as well as the consumer side. So, you know, we probably should talk about each of those things just a little bit. All right. So uh, earnings, public sentiment and the cost of things. For those people who are feeling the pain and, you know, you're saying that we're not in recession, but we're headed for recession. I mean, how do we know the difference between recession and just high prices? It certainly does seem to me, and maybe it's just my age, that things are worse off than they've ever been, at least it seems to me in my lifetime. What do you guys think? So think of a recession this way. Do you remember, Jeff, when we were in school, all of a sudden, you know, we would stop work and we would get a recess. Right? Yeah, and that's right. really the same thing mm-hmm. in the economy. And during recess, no work got done. It was all play, right? Mm-hmm. And so basically what's going to happen here at some point, we will hit a point to where people are not going to have money in their checking accounts. They're not going to be able to go out and borrow anymore, or they're not certainly not going to want to. And those that are credit worthy won't. Mm-hmm. Those that have cash are going to say, you know what, this stuff is just too high priced. I'm not doing it. I'm not paying it. And that's what's going to be the start of the recession. And that's when things are going to start to cool off a little bit. And that's when we're going to see, okay, people are going to get laid off from work. Jobs are going to get hard to find. It's going to turn back around to where, you know, for a while, labor, the employee, has had the upper hand on their employers. Mm-hmm. And that's going to change. And it's going to go back to where it needs to be a mutual respect. And that is neither side needs to be saying, well, you know, uh, you're my employee jump higher for the same pay. And then the the employee shouldn't be saying, well, pay me more for less production. (laughs) Because at the end of the day, production is what there is. And that's what makes an economy. So when I talk about earnings, I'm talking about more not earnings of employees and, and what employers are paying, but I'm talking about earnings in the stock market based on the ability of the client or the general public, if you will, to go out and purchase goods and services that drive profitability for companies. So as we get a lid on pricing and things kind of recess a little bit and everybody gets readjusted, we're going to see that earnings by corporations are going to come down, which is going to force the market down even more. Uh, It's been said here recently by a couple of guys that are very smart, much smarter than I am, have much more uh, experience and a lot more information behind them that 
the S&P multiple may have to go to a 12 times multiple, meaning uh, stock price you know, divided by earnings equals 12. So uh, the price earnings ratio is something that right now is about 18 times, and we're looking for a 12 times to probably reach the bottom of the S&P. So that would imply that the market would go down another 33%. So Randy, you mentioned earlier when the public begins to uh, push back, that is when we're going to be in recession. And we were talking before we went on the air today that I guess I've started my own recession because I picked up a a box of tissues in the supermarket and I said, no, I'm just not going to do that. I put that box of tissues back and said, I'm not going to pay that for that. (laughs) I go by the the, uh, gasoline station, I see the prices and I go, no, I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to stop driving as much. I'm going to start walking more, riding my bike and so forth. How long before the public really begins to push back or can the general public do that sort of thing that I'm doing? And do you think that they will? I think, Jeff, that's exactly how inflation causes a recession is a lot of people are like, well, what difference does it make from a recession standpoint if prices go higher? And that is the exact, that's it right there. You hit the nail on the head. People will choose less expensive, less profitable for companies options. Mm -hmm. And after a certain amount of that has happened, then the cycle will reverse itself. And and so you're exactly right. That's exactly how it works. And, you know, we're, we're starting to see some of that. But the problem is, is that supply of everything is so constrained. So like take the housing market, for example. I know we talk about the housing market a lot on here, but it's just such a huge asset market. Housing sales really have not taken a big hit yet. And the reason for that is because supply is so short that we haven't noticed the lack of demand yet. Mm. If we had an even supply and demand housing market, housing sales would probably be off 50 or 60% at this point. But because it's been so skewed to lack of supply, you know, we haven't seen it yet. But we are starting to see, you know, more for sale signs in yards. You know, listeners out there, think about this when you're driving around the next time. Look around and look at how many real estate signs are in yards now. You know, you might, I was joking with my wife actually over the weekend. I said, do you think a lot of the companies that make signs for realtors went bankrupt over the last three years? Because <laughs> because there basically were no signs because the houses were sold before yeah. they could even get the sign in the ground. And so now you're starting to see signs in yards, which is showing you a more even displacement of supply versus demand. And so eventually we will get to the point where supply will far outweigh demand. And and that's part of our base case for this recession is that, you know, housing is just not going to be able to continue the run it's had. Yeah. And I have noticed too, that in some of the real estate ads that I look at too, there are occasionally some drops in the prices of houses. Maybe things are going to be going back the right direction for those people who are looking to tap equity in their houses. Maybe they're thinking of selling their their homes, uh, getting a little money out and moving someplace smaller. This is really going to be a big problem for them, isn't it? In that these uh, interest rates have risen so high? Yes. And so I think what people are going to find is they're going to go to their banker and say, hey, let me get a pre-qualification letter. And during that process, they're going to notice that the interest rate is 6.3%. Yeah. And they're going to be like, I'm sorry, how much? And the payment is going to be so massive compared to what it has been at 3% that that's just going to put a put the kibosh, so to speak, on the whole thing. They're going to be like, well, I guess we can't move. Yeah. And that is going to happen more and more and more and more. Uh, one of the things Jerome Powell said during his latest speech is he said that first-time home buyers are likely going to have to wait a cycle. Mm-hmm. And so everybody, there was a big buzz in the news media. It was like, what does that mean? 
And I was like, how can you not know what that means? It means that they can't afford it right now. And mm-hmm. they're going to have to wait for housing prices to come back down, for interest rates to come back down before they're going to be able to pull the trigger. And again, it's, it's a relatively new thing that people are entitled to a house. Back in the 80s, yeah. you know, you used to have to save money to buy a house. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now it's like, you know, I'll get a loan for my down payment and then I'll get a loan for the for the house. And six months from now, I'll remortgage it and get 50000 out and pay off my credit card debt. Right. You know, um, the piggy bank mentality of using the house as the piggy bank has hit its high point. And there's there's nowhere to go on that but down. And so there's been a lot of people for the last 20 years and we see them every day in here when they come into retire and they're, you know, 65, but they still have a mortgage. Why? Because they refinance their house to pay off credit card debt. They refinance right, right. Their, their house to pay off this or that or whatever. The house cannot be a piggy bank now because of interest rates where they are, which is going to really hurt spending. And you talked about credit. We're going to see, you know, it's our, we're already seeing a lot of revolving credit being used up, but we're going to see a lot more. And eventually people are going to run out of money to spend, which will also eventually put an end to the inflation. Yeah, these credit card interest rates are going up as well, too. And I've always thought of credit cards as simply just a convenience. Maybe I'm just old-fashioned Jake and Randy, but I've thought of it as a convenience. Listen, I can buy this right now with this little piece of plastic, but when I get home or within the next month, I'm going to pay this off. It's just a substitute for cash, but I guess most people don't think that way. You're listening you mean to you re- still have to pay for it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I imagine that. I've got this odd mentality that when I buy something on credit, I still have to pay for it. For it. It isn't free. I'm not going to finance some meal at Olive Garden or something like that for five years like a lot of people do. You're listening yeah. to uh, Randy and Jake here. And uh, of course, our show is called Show Me Their Money. We're glad to be with you every Saturday morning right here on the radio. Once again, I think probably the best way to combat what's going on is to have some sort of a plan. And right now, uh, with this high inflation, the cost of getting a plan with Randy and Jake remains the same. It is zero. Not going to cost you a thin dime. All you got to do to get yours is to call. 417-889-7233 or better yet go to the website and request your complimentary consultation with randy and jake right there it's floydfinancialgroup.com time for a break gentlemen we'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 fm ksgf where springfield comes to talk ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk thought so here's another serving of show me the money with your server randy floyd Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Randy and Jake Floyd. This is Show Me the Money, and we're going to continue on the segment we had before, how to weather a recession, and hey, are we headed to a recession right now? Yeah, it just depends upon who you ask, Randy and Jake. And if you ask me, I don't think we're in a recession yet, but I do see it on the horizon. Let's talk about public sentiment. I mean, I know the public is kind of fed up with things, but when we talk about public sentiment, we're talking about how people feel about the market and so forth. Elaborate on that just a little bit for us. Sure. You know, the way people feel about things affects how they react, how they respond and what they do. So, you know, this morning I got up, I had a really good night's sleep. And so I got up, Lisa woke me up at four o'clock and said, hey, it's time to get up. And I said, "Okay." So I got up, I went to the other room. We made a little coffee like we usually do. I felt pretty good. I put my running shoes on and I went out and ran a 5K and felt really good about it. Now, I can't tell you that every morning when I get up and go out for my run, that I feel good about it. (laughs) There's there's days that I don't feel so good about it. And I'm like, do I really have to do this? Of course, I'm always glad I do after I did. But anyway, the public sentiment part of this is people today 
are starting to feel pressure from gas prices, from food prices. And like you said, they're starting to make decisions that they haven't made for some people, maybe ever, where they have to say, you know what? I'm not sure I want to pay that price for that. And as Jake had alluded to earlier, that's the beginning of the slowdown and the re- the recess of the economy, if you will. So public sentiment has always been a big factor in what people do and how they invest and how they feel about things. I mean, let's face it. If you think you're going to lose your money, how much do you want to invest? Yeah. I mean, not very much, not very right? Much, yeah. So if your public sentiment, and, it, and we know it's low right now because people are, are feeling all of this pressure. The other thing that after public sentiment, we have to look at, you know, is what's really driving the cost of goods here. Again, Jake alluded to that earlier. It's that the supply chain is short. We can't really depend on anything. People are a little nervous about, hey, am I going to be able to buy food next week? Am I going to be able to afford to buy food next mm-hmm. week? Or is there going to be anything on the shelf? It's what's starting to really come down the pike for people. So when we look at, you know, the cost, the core costs that are driving inflation, which will ultimately lead to the recession we're going to have, When we look at the producer price index versus the consumer price index, the consumer price index is what we're actually paying at the retail center with certain things thrown out like food and energy most of the time, which really is kind of crazy (laughs) to me because that's the big driver right Right, now. Right, right. But the producer price index is really the thing that really uh, ultimately drives prices and is probably more accurate. So as we look at those reports, I like to watch the producer price index because it tells me what is it really costing? How much more is it costing to produce things? And of course, that's going to be a leading indicator to the CPI, the consumer price index, because everything has to filter through the system. But, you know, earnings, public sentiment and core costs, those are the things right now that we need to be watching to really determine where this market is headed and how deep the recession is going to go. I think a lot of people too, Randy, may or may not know that PPI or producer price index has been running higher than CPI. Which is kind of a curious thing because if, if it's costing the companies more to get and produce everything that they're selling, why would consumer price index not mirror the producer price index, right? Because at least as a percentage, it should mirror. And the reason why is because companies have not passed through the full cost yet. And so that would suggest that there's more room for CPI to get up to the level where PPI is, right? Because if it's costing more for Walmart to acquire something as a percentage, we know, or not everybody knows, but Walmart looks at a 27% gross margin on their products. So the way they price their products is on average, if it costs them a dollar, they have a $1.27 price on on the item. And so if that's the case, when these when Walmart and these other consumer items type stores actually price the product through, it should make CPI go up. And, and the last PPI reading was like 10.8 or something like that. And so CPI is only at 8.6. So that would suggest that we still have a ways to go. And the reason why it hasn't got there yet is because everybody's assuming this is going to be really short-lived. And we don't really know that yet. It could be. I'm not saying it can't be. I'm just saying... I think the error is to the underestimation of a lot of these problems right now. Right. And here's, here's what that really goes right back to, Jake and, and Jeff, is this. 
that's going to start to affect corporate earnings. Oh, yeah. And as corporate earnings start to go down, that's going to start to be reflected in stock price. And so, I mean, this all ties together, and it all looks and seems very complex. But at the bottom end of it all, it's supply and demand. Right? Yeah, it's yeah. Really and it's, what it and it's how much I paid for it versus <laughs> how much I sold it for. And what will happen is, is as there's pressure on those earnings, Randy, they will start to raise prices to make their earnings what they ought to be, right. which does what? Creates more inflation which hurts demand more. And so it's just kind of, it's this spiral. And like Randy alluded to earlier in the show, the only way out of this is through it. The only way to fix it is to break it. You know, we have to, it has to go ahead and run its course. And when it does, we'll be much healthier for it. That's right. Um, and in the other side of this, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. But we but we need to not lose all our money in the meantime. Yep. As one guy said, if you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Hopefully there's heaven on the other side of this that's hill right, over here. Right. I can see that's some right. sunshine over there, but I got to get there first. You got to. That's maybe, exactly right. Yeah. Maybe you just have to, you know, trog through all of this mud in order to get to uh, uh, drier pastures over there. Now, when I just said no to these facial tissues and I put those things back, I was thinking to myself, does it really cost double to make these facial tissues? I mean, there were two ninety nine for a little tiny box there and they used to be a dollar and a half. And that wasn't that long ago. They were a dollar and a half. And then I started looking at the food and I said, well, I'm not even going to pay that. Tell you what, I am going to just stick my feet right here in the sand. I'm going to draw a line. I'm not even going to eat as much. If everybody did that, what would happen if the public just rebelled and said no to all of this? We're just not going to pay it. What would happen to the economy? What would happen to the markets? Well, that's called a recession. <laughs> exactly, and that's, and that's what's yeah. going to happen. And it's what needs to happen to let the supply chain catch up, to let everybody kind of reset and, you know, figure out and right the ship. I mean, a, a, again, to get control over costs. Right now, part of the problem is every time a manufacturer goes to buy raw product or raw material, it either costs more to transport it or it costs more to get it because it's in short supply, which gives them more raw cost. They have also higher labor costs that they have to pass along. Then they got to ship that again, which has more shipping costs than it had before. And so here we are, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just it's it's just a, a spiral. But here's the thing, and I know I've, we've been on this uh, quite a little bit here, but here's what I want people to know, that we will get through this. Oh, yeah. We will. And on the other side of this, it's going to be a really good time. The most important thing that people can have right now is a plan something that you've thought through or somebody has maybe your financial advisor many times what people do inside their 401ks and it's not that they're wrong or dumb or anything like that 401k plans are notoriously shallow in options for investing so i would say something like we see probably 60 percent maybe 70 percent of all the 401k funds we see come through here are in what's called target date funds which means hey i'm going to retire in 2030 so i just put my 100 percent of my money in there in that 2030 fund and i let fidelity or somebody else like that manage it the problem is is there's a little issue and a little problem with how those funds were structured because they are structured based on historical knowledge over the last 40 years when we were in a declining interest rate environment. Today, we're in an increasing interest rate environment and things are much different. So people, if they haven't looked at their situation, if they'd like to get some insight into how they're invested, uh, they should give us a call here, 417-889-7233. 
and schedule an appointment to come in and sit down and talk with us. You know, we're happy to kind of show you where you are and why certain things might not be good investments right now. I mean, every investment is good at some point. You know, every tool out there financially is good at some point. It's just that you got to have the right tool for the right time. And the thing about the right tool for the right time is, Jeff, the times, they are a changing. Oh, so absolutely. we got to always be ready to pull out the next stop over here and, and change how the assets are managed and, and where that money goes. Randy, Jacob, people are thinking about retiring right now, and maybe they don't have time to get over that hill to those greener pastures. It's, you know, for one reason or another, they just have to retire in the next year or so. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's something else. Is there hope that they can weather this storm and that they can make it to those greener pastures with your plan? Absolutely, they can do that. We have people retiring every week right now, Jeff, right through this. And just like when you know the pandemic came, we had the same thing back in 2007, 8, and 9. We had people retiring right through the middle of that. Early 2000s, I was helping people you know, set up retirement incomes and do all that stuff just like today, doing estate planning, all the work that they needed done, tax planning, all those things for the last 22 years have been getting done. And the bottom line is, you know, we can get people retired. We can keep them safe. We can help them get to the other side of this. And what I always say is, and this is no different, is once we get to the other side of this, we will run the market up again. Everything will get good. We'll have another really good time. And for those people that are structured right and have a plan, they're going to get well and live happily ever after. Well, I hope so. You know, let's put things into perspective here. When you think about the tough times that America went through during World War II, the 40s, those were really tough times, but they were followed by the 50s, one of the greatest eras of prosperity in this country. And after all, uh, Randy, it produced you and me. So those are some pretty darn good times there. We got through uh, COVID and uh, we saw this great, great market on the other side of that. So there is hope that we're going to get through this. But I think, again, as you said, the key is going to be a plan. Speaking of which, if you're listening to this broadcast with Randy and Jake and Show Me the Money, you do not have a plan right now. Why do you not have a plan? It's not going to cost you a thin dime to sit down with Randy and Jake. Ask your questions. I mean, do something to make yourself feel better about going into retirement. Call 417-889-7233 to get your plan. 417-889-7233. Or go out to the website and check them out there at floydfinancialgroup.com and request your plan from there. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our show after this right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about wealth preservation versus income. And Randy, wealth preservation and income maximization, they're actually two very different things. What are the key differences between wealth preservation and income maximization? Well, you know, that's really a very large question that we just asked there, <laughs> those two pieces right there. So we're going to we're going to hit it at face value here in the beginning and then we're going to we're going to drill down just a little bit. So there's a lot of ways out there to preserve wealth. One way to preserve wealth during a uh, recession and during a big stock market decline, there's a couple of ways to do it. You could take all your money and you could put it where we think the market's going to go down and you can bet inversely against the market, which I would not recommend 
recommend to people as a rule. Uh, you can also take all your money and put it in cash. And people say, well, hey, now, wait a minute. If inflation's 10 and I have it in cash, I'm negative 10 for a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be true. But it might be better than negative 30 for a year. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, when we start looking at all the different angles on this and people say, well, what about income? Well, you know, sometimes, you know, it's hard to find good, solid sources of income that you might not dip into your principal on. I don't know if you remember the movie Little Big Man or not. Oh, yeah. You remember that movie? Mm-hmm. And many of the people listening might remember Dustin Hoffman was in that movie. He was in the back in like the 1850s eh, or 60s, probably somewhere through there. And he was talking about he had been uh, he was a white guy, but he had been raised through some Native Americans, some, some Indian tribe there. And one of the things that happened was uh, after uh, Custer's last stand and all that sort of thing. They formed the reservations and they said that uh, the land there would be theirs for as long as grass grow and as long as rain falls and, and, and sun shines, right? And stuff like that. And then he said, but sometimes the grass don't grow, the sun don't shine, and the rain doesn't fall, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we kind of end up in that situation once in a while when we find ourselves looking at markets and interest rates and how to really preserve and produce income. So one of the things I want to point out to people, there's a lot of folks out there today that are using annuity contracts to produce income. So let's talk a little bit about how those work, because I think that's probably one of the big topics that I'm hearing more and more out there. Now, the bond market, you know, the bond is where we own the debt of a company and that company says, hey, give me your money, you know, for a period of time, we'll pay you an interest rate. uh, And at the end, we give your money back. So right now, if we look at really high quality investment grade bonds, we're probably in the two and a half percent yield range. Something like that is where we are on those might be slightly more because they've been they've had some price erosion, which pushes the yield up. But that's probably about where we are. Now, I don't know about you, Jeff, you know, two and a half percent is better than you know nothing but it's hard to live on a two and a half percent income stream and that means if you got a million dollars you're collecting twenty five thousand a year two thousand a month roughly i mean that's still pretty slim pickings you know so today there are these income annuities out there that say hey here's what we'll do will you give us your money and we'll pay you a five percent income stream in fact, we'll even guarantee if you got a few years before retirement, we'll even guarantee that your income balance out there will go up by a factor of maybe 7%. What they didn't tell you is, is that 7% that they paid you for that three or four or five years, the only way you get it out is 5% per year, which takes 20 years to get it out. Well, if you're 75, when you take one of those out and you're getting a 5% payout, that means if you don't live to 95, you don't get all your money out. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of problems with that. And the only way you get it out is, is to withdraw it that way because what's going to happen is many times those are products are set up to derive income only. And the problem with that is they're going to spend your principal dollars down really quickly. And you're going to wind up after just a few years having not much death benefit for your family unless you buy a rider to prop that up a little bit, which costs you more money, which soon depletes your balance more. You know, it's kind of a smoke and mirrors thing. They say, okay, we're going to give you this fictitious inflated number to pull income off of. Uh, You can take it out at 5% per year, which means you can get it out over 20 years. But other than that, you're probably going to end up with a greatly depleted balance inside that annuity contract for death or if you just want to walk with the money. The other side of that, there are annuities that are more inclined to to give us upside potential. And what I mean by upside potential is to help us with wealth accumulation. And then as we accumulate wealth, guess what we can do, Jeff? We can take income 
out of that wealth accumulation that we've had. Mm -hmm. And we can have more flexibility, not just the one income stream type thing. So wealth preservation is one of those things to where, you know what, we want to be invested commensurate with what our risk tolerance is, the amount of up and down risk we can stand. Also, we need to look at the income requirements and things that we need as we go through retirement and build a portfolio that revolves around that. And like I said, there's days that the sun don't shine and the grass don't grow, you know, and that sort of thing. And we have to work through those. So we have to build that into any plan that we build for wealth preservation. The reason I'm going through this just a little bit, many times people get, I don't know what the good term is, misled or they don't understand that if all you're focused on is income, you're probably going to be end up with the short end of the stick. Think of it this way. When you go in to buy a car, what's the first thing they want to, they, they ask you, well, what kind of payment can you afford? Yeah. A little trick. They don't, they don't ask you. Yeah. Trick question, right? So the income play through an annuity contract, if it's purely income, is very similar. Well, how much income do you need? You know, and so they're going to try to find, and then they they locate how much money it's going to take to supply that income if you have enough, and then they're going to just focus on the income side of things and not worry too much about what your wealth looks like and how quickly you may be spending your actual nest egg down. When you come to Floyd Financial Group, what we're really looking to do is say, hey, how can we build you a plan here using all asset classes? Do we use annuity contracts here? Yes, we do, but there's only about three in the world that we use, four once in a while, and it's because the client gets a fair shake with the ones that we use here. Now, I'm not saying there's not other companies that give a fair shake, and I'm not going to name any names. I'm just telling you that I've been doing this 22 years. I have seen all these companies come and go, all the different products that they make, and so what we have found is we found the sweet spot where the client wins, the company wins, and when we have that double win, that's something that's sustainable and lasts. And what we want people to do is not have to spend their nest egg down. Most times when people come in here, what do they want to do? They want to have income to live on. They want to be happy through their life in their in their retirement. But guess what else they want to do, Jeff? They want to leave something to their family. Mm-hmm. If you aren't careful, you will get hooked in looking at just this income piece and there won't be anything for the family. And that's really one of the main differences between how we build a wealth preservation strategy with income versus just focusing solely on income. We're talking with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group about knowing the difference between wealth preservation and income. Randy, you talked about annuities there. And when I think of annuities, I think of safe money. And I know that annuities come from insurance companies. Does What's going on in the market right now? What's going on in the economy and the world? Are insurance companies as affected by that as uh, other places that you can go to keep your money safe? Uh, you're exactly right that they are not as affected by that. So let's talk about two things before I move on and really answer that question. Number one, an annuity is one vehicle that we use. We can use bonds when the time is right and we'll use bonds when the time is right. We will also use stocks, dividend paying stocks, things of that nature. We, you know, we could use any asset class out there, but that just kind of gets me on that sometimes when people just really get focused on income and they're not really focused on wealth preservation. But to answer your question, are insurance companies affected less than the market? and less than, I would say, general investments, and in this case, the bond market? The answer to that question is yes, because insurance companies, they're corporations for the most part, and there's some fraternal organizations out there, but most of them, they don't have a life expectancy. You know, you and I, Jeff, we have a termination point. Mm -hmm. We're not going to be here. So uh, the other thing is when we go out and we buy a bond based on our life expectancy or based on a 5 or a 10 or a 20 or a 30-year duration, if we ever need more than just the income that it produces, the dividend or the interest, if you will, 
we have to cash that in to get access to more than just that interest payment. Now, when we do that, if interest rates have gone up, we're going to have to sell our bond at a devalued amount. If interest rates have gone down, we're going to be able to sell that at an inflated amount or a higher value than what we paid for it. So the insurance companies, they don't have a life expectancy when they buy. They buy and hold for the whole term, whether that be 10, 20, 30 years. And they also buy these things knowing full well what they're going to yield. And they work that into their cost and their their revenue plan. They build that in from the get-go. And because they're not going to change and move anything there, they have almost complete predictability. Now, they don't just have one bond. They have thousands and tens of thousands of these bonds that are set up out there. And one of the things that we look at many times is, hey, let's look at this insurance company's investment portfolio and let's see what their chances of default might be or what's the chances of the underlying bonds that they hold. What's the chances of those being in default? And many times we see it's less than one-tenth of one percent. So, I mean, you're talking about a very, very stable situation. Plus, they have other safety valves involved the Missouri State Guarantee Association, as well as, uh, you know, insurance companies, they really, really are, I should say, a really cohesive group. They know that what makes insurance of any kind work is the fact that the general public has faith that they will do what they say that they will do. The moment that that faith is breached, the insurance company's out of business, and therefore, all of those guys know that they need to go very strongly together, do what they say, and, and they do. And that's the one thing I love about insurance companies, and I hate about insurance companies. They'll always do exactly what they say and not one thing more. But that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. You're listening <laughs> to Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about the difference between wealth preservation and income. If it is something that you want more clarification on, maybe you have specific questions for Randy and Jake. Again, offering the opportunity for you to sit down on a one-to-one basis with no cost, no obligation, and most importantly, no judgment at Floyd Financial Group. To get your complimentary plan, call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. And as always, you can go out to the website. I highly encourage you to do that. And check out the firm at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. And while you're there, make your appointment with Randy and Jake to sit down and ask your specific questions to put you on the road to a very nice retirement. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back for the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about, hey, how can we prepare for this recession that I'm telling you guys is coming? Yeah. And I mean, I guess, Randy, we're going to listen to you because I was sitting on the edge of my seat here thinking that, well, maybe it's not going to happen. But you're saying, hold on, it's definitely out there. Is that what you're saying? I just don't see any way around it, Jeff. I mean, eventually people are going to run out of other people's money and PPI money and stimulus checks, and then they're going to have run up all the credit that they can. And when that day comes, and then they have to start deciding between, eh, do I buy this extra thing or this or that, or do I put gas in my tank to get to work, or do I eat? Or do I take my medication? You know, that's that's when things are going to get tough. That's when the rubber is going to meet the road. Well, I think the general consensus is that if a recession isn't here, it's going to be very, very shortly. So let's talk about how to prepare for a recession. The first thing, I guess, is to sort of reassess your risk tolerance. 
Absolutely. You know, we've been seeing this over the last year, you know, where people had stocks that they had purchased during the pandemic that rallied 50%, 100%, some of it as much as 500%. Those things have all now come back down to earth because as Jerome Powell cut off the money supply, started to raise interest rates and all that, and the, and the money dried up, and these companies weren't profitable before, and now they're probably never going to be profitable. People said, eh. Yeah, I don't think I'm willing to hang on for this ride. And so all that money has come back out and has been reallocated to someplace different. So really your risk tolerance, you know, during COVID-19 and all that, we could look at technology and say, well, you know, that's the theme. Uh, stay at home. What's going to work for that? And sure enough, money flowed there. And then all the stimulus checks came in and that added more money that flowed into those things because we had a lot of new investors through the Robin Hoods, the Betterments and all those different online investing setups. But the airs come out of a lot of that and it's been trying to go back to companies that make sense right that can actually Mm -hmm. you know gee whiz make a profit that's kind of what a public company is supposed to do is make a profit and uh you know benefit the shareholder profit what's that yeah (laughs) there's an odd word there something else that i have done is i have reassessed my budget i've really taken a look at what i'm spending money on and i'm really quite surprised i mean i've heard about this app and uh, i think it's called Truebill or something like that that can tell you the subscriptions how many people have subscriptions out there to streaming services and things that they don't actually use? Yeah, I would say that probably almost everybody has something like that, especially if you have a smartphone. It's likely that you're signed up for even some small things. So it's not just like streaming services. It's going to be all kinds of different things where you signed up for $14.99 a month for some insurance for a TV you bought or, you know, your, your Apple iCloud subscription that you have way more storage than you need. And, and these things accumulate over 10 or 15 years, you know, and if you really go through it and you look at what your subscriptions are costing you, you might be surprised and it might be a way to come up with another tank of gas a month, you know, if you if you're able to, you know, get rid of a lot of this fluff or even if it's just 10 or 15, 20 bucks a month that you're paying that you don't need to be paying, you know, I think it's it's kind of comical that that's become a thing where you where you need something, you, you can't even keep track of all the crap that you're subscribed to <laughs> yeah. and my, myself, myself included. <laughs> I'm not pointing oh, yeah. the finger, but but it's it's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's it's needed. And as we go into a recession, a penny saved is still a penny earned. Right. And uh, you know, if we're saving that money, that can be really useful looking forward. Well, it, it may be the difference, you guys, between ramen and meat. <laughs> you know, if you, or yeah. ramen and craft mac and cheese, at <laughs> yeah, least. There That's you true. go. <laughs> so you know, I mean, we 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 laugh about it now, but really, it's true. There's just a lot of stuff I know. When you say you know, reassess your budget really look at what you're spending. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is too, and and I'm not picking on anybody. I've done it myself and I have things that I do that people will go, well, that's ridiculous. Why would Mm. you do that? But you know, if you think about it, if you just cut out one Starbucks a week, it's probably 50 to $60 a month. Oh yeah. (laughs) Easily because a cup of coffee at Starbucks. I mean, still, if I want coffee, I'll get it for a dollar someplace or go through it. You know, I'll get a gas station because I'm not a, a coffee connoisseur, but I mean, to spend five, six bucks on a cup of coffee at Starbucks is not uncommon at all. We're talking about ways that you can prepare for a recession, and one of them is to take a look at some of the streaming services and some of the things that you have uh, taken out of your checking account on a monthly basis. And there is an app, there's an app for that called True Bill, and it'll help you identify what those things are. Another thing I think really, and you know, this goes back to really the basics, it's just to have a plan, a plan that will account for these things going up in price, a plan that will account for what if we go into a recession. 
Right. Absolutely. And you know, Jeff, I, I know that to a lot of the people that are listening to this show, we're absolutely talking to the choir. Right. Here, we're preaching you know. to the choir. We, we are. And what I mean by that is we have people that come in here again and again and again and again, day in and day out, that have saved, they've worked a plan, they've raised a family, they've paid off a house or two, they've saved lots of money. And so we don't mean to uh, discount anything that people have done. I will just say this, though, that retirement is one of those things that most people only do one time. We do it for people around here, five, six, seven gusts of maybe 10 times a week sometimes Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're just really aware of what's available, maybe have a little bit more of an in-depth perception of what's going on and, you know, how to apply those things to really put the finishing touches on people's retirement and help them really live out those days they've looked forward to for maybe 30, 40, sometimes 50 years. And we just consider it an honor to be able to help them and put them in a position where they don't have to look back over their shoulders and they know that we've got their back and we're helping them, you know, to live the best retirement possible. The theme of our show today with Randy and Jake here on Show Me The Money has been protecting what you've built now and for the future. And if we wrap things up here, I guess it all comes down to that plan. If you've got a plan, you can withstand almost any financial storm. So let's talk about that plan. We talk about it all the time, gentlemen. People either going to floydfinancialgroup.com requesting that plan or calling 417 417- 889-7233. I don't think there's ever been a better time than now to have a comprehensive plan. Randy and Jake, I mean, when somebody comes in to ask for that plan, they sit down with you. Some people consider it to be intimidating or it's scary or you're going to judge people, but really that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, I'm a scary hillbilly from Bradleyville, Missouri. I'm... <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, you know, it's true. We're just like everybody else, and people should not be intimidated at all to come in and sit down with us. Really what we're interested in when people come in is really we don't have any expectations other than we want to get to know those folks, find out what's important to them. And then from there, you know, we may talk about how we can lend some help and some advice on, you know, getting them set up for retirement or or maybe they're not ready to retire yet. Maybe they're in their last five years and they're saying, hey, I just want to come in and make sure I'm good. And I want to make sure I get the finishing touches put on this just right. Uh, You know, depending on where you are, uh, it's a little different scenario. But the long and the short of it is we keep it really relaxed. This is the no tie zone. You know, I grew up in the 80s in business in the 80s and 90s when everybody went to the office and it was a fashion show and everybody looked at the label inside your coat. They Mm -hmm. said, why aren't you wearing a Tabasco tie today that was $50 back, you know, (laughs) 25 years ago? Or why aren't you wearing this type of, why aren't you wearing a Brooks Brothers shirt? Mm -hmm. Or in that day, when I lived in Kansas City back then, it was Jack Henry was a really good shirt up there. We paid $100 for white shirts oh my gosh. in the 80s. Oh. I mean, are you kidding me? That's crazy. So, I mean, it's just, again, I tell people we're in the no-tie no zone here now. In fact, if you come here on a Friday, you're going to find me in jeans and a t-shirt, <laughs> which I figure is what most people like to wear anyway, so I get to wear it one day a week. But uh, we just want to learn about people. We go through the five-step process. That's discovery, analysis, planning, implementation, and then, you know, monitoring the plan. And certainly by no means do we expect when people walk in here to say, okay, Randy, here's all all of our money, you know, tell us what to do. What we want to do is build a relationship, build a friendship, uh, you know, out of this whole thing, and then, you know, help people to get where they want to go. Well, I'm going to tell you a little secret, Randy. I have white shirts still from the 80s, and I still wear them because... (laughs) 
I still fit into them and a good white shirt is good for 40 years. So anyway, that's the way that I have protected my wealth. If you want to consider that I have any wealth at all. You're listening to Randy Jacob Floyd Financial Group. And once again, the whole key here is to have a plan. You wouldn't get in your car and head out on a trip without having some sort of a roadmap or at least a GPS. Why would you head into this important journey called retirement without one as well? Get your plan by calling 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, or better yet, go out to the website and request your complimentary, no cost, no obligation, no judgment retirement plan, floydfinancialgroup.com. Thank you so much, Randy and Jake, for joining us here on this Saturday morning. I want to thank the fine people here of the last bastion of Sanity, Springfield, Missouri as well. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.